Visit GormanSharp.com for more information. Gorman Sharp Funeral Home, our family serving yours. Let's get biblical. God, the omnipotent ruler of heaven and earth, breathed into dirt the breath of life. Here's Bruce the Theologian on the Elijah Har Show. Well, we're going to take a big departure from KU Med School and whether or not they should buy a Missouri hospital. Back on the show, it's Tuesday. Bruce, the theologian. Bruce, question of the day today. Outside of your hometown, what is your favorite town or city in Missouri? Where would you tell people, oh, you got to go here for this reason? I think the obvious one would be Kansas City or St. Louis. Um, What's St. Louis? There's some people today that's the worst city in well, they, I think they lose lose population every year, if I remember correctly. Uh, whereas Kansas City, as far as I know, Metro Kansas City is a growing city. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I want to think of like an obscure Missouri town that I've visited. I got to say, our last guest said Arrow Rock, Missouri. I have no idea what that is. I didn't either. Apparently, it's a borderline abandoned town that's only got a few hundred or few thousand residents, but they have a theater there that hosts Broadway plays, and they'll have twenty five thousand people throughout the year come to see these plays right. it was a great answer fantastic answer way way beyond my geographical knowledge which surprised me because i've been everywhere yeah N- nobody has mentioned branson today can we nobody just like has. give a sh- quick shout out to to some no we to gotta hear what bruce says because i want to talk about create continuationism fair, fair and uh um fair. i'm gonna have to go with kansas city um i live i live on the the north uh, east part of town so i can get to kansas city off you know i jump on i-44 and then go on 13 i can get to kansas city in about two and a half hours so um as a result of it being close and uh, there's plenty to do there uh, i would say i'm a kansas city fan very good okay we sort of touched on this last week cessationism continuationism if you don't know what that means in the body of christ there's a big divide bruce give us a little background on what each of these mean and then the new documentary about these positions, yeah, the um, the, uh, the the classic uh, secessionist position is the the position of the historical church. Um, that being that, uh, and that was pr- believe well, the, the church fathers Augustine, uh, John Christensen, and others um, said that they believe that the uh, the gifts of the apostolic age had, had ceased. Um, but uh, secessionism believes that in, indeed that the, the gifts of the apostolic age have ceased. Um, signs and wonders have ceased. They ended with the apostolic age. Uh, the, the last apostle John. Um, and then continuationism, which is a modern um, take on theology, uh, birthed in the uh, 1800s and early 1900s, uh, is that the gifts of the Spirit found in the apostolic age in uh, Acts are, are still in operation. So signs and wonders are still something that the church should be um, uh, promoting and performing, would be the continuationist position. And and I think an obvious one might be the speaking in tongues, but maybe one that's a little less obvious or, or is more nuanced would be divine miracles, right? And and I would say that um, uh, as personally as a secessionist, I believe in divine divine miracles, but I I don't think they are the miracles that you see performed in the in the apostolic age as seen in the scriptures. Two questions: One, when did the apostolic age end? You said with John. John. About what time? Um, around AD uh, one hundred. And why so, did the miracles end then, according to a cessationist? Well, they, actually, the miracles end in the in First Corinthians. There is no more miracles mentioned after First Corinthians. So that's one of the arguments for uh, secessionism is that the 
um, the apostolic after. I mean, even Paul's epistles, you don't have any miracles. Uh, there's no mention of it. Paul himself was uh, was physically ill. He talked about a thorn in his flesh. Um, his uh, compatriot uh, Timothy was also physically ill, and there was no healing for either of those men. And they were, you know, um, operating and, and ministering during that era. Um, so um, we we would put it the 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 uh, for a secessionist. Uh, the gifts ends, the signs and wonders ends, uh, not the gifts end, but the signs and wonders end uh, with the apostolic era. And the last apostle was John, as we see that in the book of Revelation and the closing of the canon. Very good. Talk about this new movie that's on this topic. Um, there's a new movie called Secessionist. Um, I rented it on Amazon. It came out this year, 2023. It's about a couple hours long. Um, and basically they go down and, and give a history of the of the modern Pentecostal movement. Um, and, um, they speak about basically, they, they interview former Pentecostals and they basically give their pitch for why the, the apostolic era has ended. And, um, uh, they take serious uh, disagreement with, uh, with modern Pentecostalism. Give me a little bit. Who would be, you know, we know, I know you're a cessationist. The movie comes from a cessationist perspective. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who would be on the other side of this? If, you know, who is a continuationist that's not, you know, not one that you're like, I can immediately disregard their opinion, but somebody who, who truly believes it has some academic prowess about them. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Wayne Grudem. Uh, Wayne, and great, Wayne Grudem is somewhat reformed in his theology. Somewhat. He's not fully reformed, but he's somewhat reformed. Um, uh, Wayne Grudem is one as far as uh, technical theology. They also um, have John Piper. He's a very well-known uh, Christian author. Um, has, um, shall we say, continuationist um, affections, but he's not a full-blown, you know, Pentecostal uh, continuationist. Okay, so what's your thoughts on the movie? Good, bad, worth seeing, not worth um, seeing? I think it's worth seeing whether you are a continuationist or you are a secessionist. I think it's 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 a good pitch um, for the secessionist uh, um, perspective. I knew that going into it, so it's kind of preaching to the choir for me. Um, but it, 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 it synthesized and brought some things together that um, that... Um, I think are important. Um, the um, I'm trying to think some some highlights. So uh, yeah, I'll give you some highlights. Um, they, they posit that the uh, that signs and wonders in the Bible uh, only happened during three eras: uh, the eras of Moses uh, with Joshua, uh, Elijah and Elisha, and Jesus and the apostles. So miracles are not a continuous happening in the Bible. They're just there. There there's certain eras when it happens. I got it. Moses, so, Joshua is one era. Yep. Elijah, Elisha, one era, yep. and then Jesus, Jesus and, the and the apostles. Okay, and obviously there's a lot of other time there. The another thing that then, which we already mentioned, I have is, a question, mm-hmm. and I don't want to dive too much into the, the details, but what constitutes a sign and wonder a miracle? For instance, uh, is it Paul and Timothy are in prison and they're singing songs and there's an earthquake, earthquake. and the doors? Mm-hmm. Is that a miracle? Is that a sign and wonder um, or not? Th- that would that would that's an interesting one because that's not something that they they didn't cause the earthquake in the sense that they didn't command the earth to quake. That okay. was a kind of a spontaneous happening of the, the, obviously God brought that situation about, but it wasn't like a, a divine healing where Paul casts out, you know, or a, an apostle casts out a demon or, or a, the blame. Well, you know. there's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Do cessationists believe that we still have the power to cast out demons? Uh, no. Wow, no. that's but cessationists believe that we do. We do have miracles. We absolutely have miracles. We don't. We wouldn't question that at all. But not the indi- but not the way the apostles did, in that they said, "I command this person to walk," or "I I will raise this person from the dead," or these. I mean, we'll get into the other stuff. What the the the, the documentary view on, on modern Pentecostalism here in a minute. But no, they wouldn't. 
But but at the same time, we, they wouldn't uh, secessionists wouldn't say that miracles don't happen because you can pray for healing. You know. So when G- Jesus gives the great commission, and one mm-hmm. of the things he says to his people, his disciples, is you know, go and cast out demons mm-hmm. in my name. Mm-hmm. The cessationist thought is that is just for those people he told, and it's not correct. The apostolic age. So the, the you know the apostles were chosen by Christ, taught by Christ, witnessed the resurrection, and they were given the signs and wonders, miraculous gifts. Um, cessationists hold that that with the last apostle, those things ended, and in in Christian uh, history bears that out because you don't have uh, signs and wonders until you have some weird stuff happening in the 1800s with the uh, with the Second Great Awakening and a guy called Finney uh, in upstate New York. Was this in Azusa Street? Is this uh, yeah, Azusa tied, Street is, is kind of part of that. It's kind okay. of on the, the it's after the, the Second Great Awakening. Um, Azusa Street was ni- the early 1900s, I think 1907. Um, but Topeka, Kansas, where you find Pentecostalism starts in the in the, in the the modern era. Um, and yeah, that's, but the, the documentary gets into what they see as one of the problems with uh, modern Pentecostalism is that, and these are my thoughts, this is not something that's in the documentary, modern Pentecostalism and continuationism is basically a form of religious um, expressive individualism. We've talked about that on the show before, um, and it's basically a liberal practice of actually changing the meaning of language. So Pentecostals today, they use the word tongues, but tongues, the the documentary uh, contests, as well as Christian history contests, that tongues in the modern era are not the tongues in the Bible. Uh, the healings found in the Bible are not the healings found in the modern Pentecostal movement. Um, and the, the term of the word prophecy is not the term prophecy used in the modern, uh, in the modern context. It's not biblical prophecy. Um, and I think by changing the language, they, they, uh, they basically, it's, it's a form of theological liberalism. It's, a, it's a, in classical liberalism, or not classical liberalism, but modern liberalism, one of their defining characteristics of expressive individualism and other things is to change the use of the language. We change the use of the word. We've got this thing called social justice now, and you have um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and things like gender-affirming care. And not that, not that the Pentecostal movement today advocates for those things, well, and I was but, the premise, say, but the premise is the same. It's to redefine the language. And without arguing that finer point, I would say the, the, the Pentecostal or charismatic churches of the day are about as opposite from the DEI and social liberalism Agreed. of the day. Agreed. They, 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 very different directions, even right. if, if, if the premise it is. Be- but, but the premise, I think, from a religious standpoint is the same. It's, it's, the, it's the empowering of the individual. When the early Pentecostals uh, left Azusa Street and left, um, and left um, uh, Topeka, Kansas with Charles Parham, they believed they had had the gift of tongues. And Charles Parham was quoted in a newspaper by saying, my congregants now have the gift of tongues found in the book of Acts, and they can speak intelligible languages that we here in the U.S. cannot speak. So he sends these missionaries out to uh, both India and to China, and none of them can speak the Chinese or the Indian language. Um, they actually, even in the documentary, they had um, one of uh, his congregants, I've forgotten her name off the top of my head, but she believed she had um, been given the gift of tongues and, and prophecy, and she was writing the Chinese language down. Well, they still actually have her writings, and her writings are gibberish. There's no Chinese. There's just kind of chicken scratchings, and they actually show, show it up on the screen. So what happened is they send these missionaries out because they believe they have the gift of tongues found in the Book of Acts. They arrive in both India and China, and then they find out they do not have the gift of tongues. So they come back, and they basically adjust their theology to say, well, this is an unknown holy language, and it's still the gift of tongues, which would be an example, an early example, example of expressive individualism in that, they weren't letting 
they were defining their reality by their own personal experience, not by actually what the Bible said. Um, briefly get, jump into, because I know there's a lot of controversy on tongues, but I think the more nuanced issue would be gifts of healing. Mm-hmm. You believe miracle healings still exist, but not in the way that a continuationist would believe. Explain Yeah, that. we get to that. So they have the issue of healing, and I think that's another example of how the continuationists and Pentecostals have changed the language. Healings that we find in the modern Pentecostal church are not the healings of the New Testament. The healings of the New Testament were people being raised from the dead, um, proven people raised from not some story about some guy in the Philippines or in Africa who was raised from the dead, actual physical evidence people were raised from the dead, or people who were born blind were healed. What modern Pentecostals do is they claim there's been a healing from an allergy or a sore back or diminished hearing or something like that. These are not the miracles that found in the New Testament. They're just factually not. If they were, I think if modern so it's Pentecostals... it's a difference of degree is what you're saying. Absolutely, but it's, okay. a different, it's really a different premise and a different definition because if, if modern Pentecostals had the apostolic gifts that they claim to have, they would go down to Mercy or or Cox Hospital and just clear out the children's ward, wouldn't they? I mean, and they don't do that. And and the apostles were doing things of that nature. They were healing the, the lame and healing the blind. Yeah, but in in the apostolic age, and I say this as somebody who goes to a, a charismatic church, um, in the New Testament, they didn't they heal people, but they heal people who came to them and asked for healing. Mm-hmm. Nobody. It's not like the whole hospitals leaving the hospital come to church and say we want to be healed. So there's some that argue there are people that that say they've been healed at church, that they've had a miraculous healing, that they may have an x-ray or an MRI that is different from before church to after church. Right, but I've if, if that was the case, then those things would be, they'd be having 60-minute specials and they'd be on the news. I think if there are, if there are credible forms of melting metal out of people's bodies and uh, healings of, of the nature of, uh, of raising people from the dead or people who are wheelchair-bound walking again, I think those would be things that we would find on television locally because I think the, 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 the general public, whether they be Christian or not, would be fascinated that there's actually someone in here in Springfield or in some other town here in the United States that someone's actually been raised from the dead. That, that would be on the news. I really believe it would be on the news. It's interesting you say that. Uh, a year or two ago, there was a story I heard. It was actually out of Kansas, some small town in Kansas, and a doctor was talking about somebody who had died in the hospital mm-hmm. The family, like they dead, all the stuff. The family came in, they prayed, and then the monitors restarted. You couldn't find this in the news, but the doctor was was interviewed by some Christian broadcasting network, and is like, "We've gone to the news. They're not running the story. They don't believe us. They're not going to run the story." The doctor, who is not religious anyway, was just like, "I've never seen anything like this." It was nothing connected to Southwest Missouri, but it made me question. Okay. Let's say a church is having an experience. We, we watch what happened in Kentucky, and obviously there's some local conversation around that. But would it be picked up by the media? If the story out of Kansas, and like I said, it was like northwestern Kansas, never made it onto the national media, never made it on the state or local media, only ended up in this other journal where this doctor who was agnostic or atheist was like, I've never seen anything like this. Is there is there a media blackout on this? Um I've have, I've worked in the media for 24 years, uh, actually uh, 26 years, um, and I would say, not that I know of, um, I think if there genuinely is, is a, a, a case of someone being raised from the dead, 
Um, I would like to think that the media is responsible enough to, one, report on it, but two, from an advertising perspective, if you ran a thing on the news that said it's tonight... It's clickbait, right? It's, it's total clickbait. So if, even from a clickbait perspective and an advertising and revenue perspective, which is the way commercial radio and commercial television in the United States is, it operates on, um, I think it would be... Or a 60 Minutes or, you know, I mean, I think people... I think, like I said... People would be fascinated that a Christian or not Christian that something like like has still happened. And I would, as a Christian, I would be very interested to to think that the the apostolic gifts could still be in operation. Um, that would that would be uh, fascinating to to witness. I am familiar with. I've heard stories, but I've 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 uh, there's a lot of claims to, to things that are miraculous that are uh, later proven to be false or not uh, or not proven. We've had issues here in time with. Uh, uh, groups claiming certain healings, but no evidence to back those healings up, I'm afraid. Sometimes, sometimes not, and sometimes I think that the timing may not be right. Well, I, w- I would say the, the the ones that we would be in line with uh, New Testament healings, the raising yeah. from the dead, um, people born blind who are now can see, people who are confined to a wheelchair their whole life and now are no longer. Those, those the, the, the New Testament apostolic Gifts, I think I would be fascinated to see if those are still in operation, but I've, I've yet to see anything. Is it incumbent on a church that believes these things are happening to prove it in the local media? No, absolutely not. It's incumbent on the church to prove it to their tithing members that they are uh, not receiving um, incorrect information from the platform of the church. Benny Hinn, probably the most extreme mm-hmm. continuationist. Continuationist and a um, total fraudster, I wrote. Uh, and that's, I think, yeah. the problem is... Mm-hmm. On especially on the continuationist side, it's very easy. And again, I'm a continuationist, but I'm I'm on my own journey on this issue. Um, it's very easy for somebody who takes the continuationist position to take it to a place where I don't think it's right, and right. suddenly you've got people. You know, you're hitting people with brooms, and they're right. Things are happening. And I think in that regard, the documentary was quite fair. It had, I think, it may have had a Benny Hinn clip in there, and it had some other crazy stuff. But it has the more moderate stuff. It has a Wayne Grudem who's academically a very credible fellow i mean i've got waiting room stuff in my library um but um so i i think the 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 documentary in that regard is fair because we fancy we fa- or i fancy myself as trying to like have good deep intellectual conversations in the show mm-hmm. who would be the best continuationist that i could try to reach out to and and get them to say tell me why the documentary is wrong I mean, would a, and I, you know, we'll, Wayne Gruden, we're happy to reach out. Yeah. I'd like to hear somebody who's like, here's why I think they fundamentally get it wrong. I, I actually spent a lot of time on YouTube this past week um, reading, uh, reading, I should say, watching um, hours, hours of content that was a counter to the, to the secessionist documentary. Even had a gentleman in there um, that was actually featured in the, in, in the secessionist documentary, not, not interviewed by the crew, but they pulled one of his clips. And he tried to defend it, and I really, I wanted to be open to this. I, you know, I studied at Evangel University twenty something years ago, so I've, I've been engaged in this material before. It's been some time since I've been engaged in the material, but I haven't found any arguments that that push me back in the other direction. And I'm very open. I mean, I, uh, my theology has changed over the last twenty years. Um, I think that's I'm pretty evident, and that's the case. Um, but as far as someone to contact in the in the continuationist movement that would have any academic clout, I think a Wayne Gruden would be top of your list. I don't really. We'll uh, start this yeah. conversation just because I'd, I'd like to hear the other perspective mm-hmm. on this. Right. Uh, Bruce, always a pleasure, always an interesting thing. Is there anything we didn't cover that that you think is uh, important in this space? No, I think I meant. I think I've, I've, for me the, the 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 new information for me is not so much the, the contents of the documentary, but that I'm linking 
the Pentecostal movement to a form of expressive individualism and a modern, a modern sense of I define my own reality. I will decide. No institution will will define my religious experience. And then rejigging your theology to match your experience. So not your theology dictates your experience. Your experience is dictating your theology. And I think that is the the fundamental flaw in the modern uh, continuationist movement. Ambitious, aggressive, maybe a little controversial. Good mm-hmm. stuff as always. We'll see you next week. Coming up next, we're going to talk about another issue that we broached recently. Slippery slope arguments. Should the city of Springfield protect those who want to buy a house? And the landlord says, I don't like your source of funds. We'll talk about that after these messages.